Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, the Department of Education unveils its plans for the new St. Croix Central High School. Construction of the Dunu Housing Community is now the responsibility of the Office of Disaster Recovery. Former Virgin Islands Senator and former Republican National Committee woman Liliana Bellardo de O'Neill is protesting the upcoming local delegate election. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. In January of 2021, Governor Albert Bryan Jr., members of the 34th Legislature and leadership of the Virgin Islands Housing Authority, gathered on the site of the old Juno housing community to break ground on its rebuild. The new housing community was set to offer 84 one-, two-, and three-bedroom apartments in 14 buildings over the 10-acre property. At present, there are a few structures that can be seen from the roadway, and what can also be seen is the overgrown brush and the halt of construction on the project that was supposed to have been completed in December of 2022. Office of Disaster Recovery Director Adrian Williams-Octolin updated us on the status of the housing project. The CDBGDR program, programmatic responsibility, has been transferred to the Office of Disaster Recovery at the end of November. And yes, so we are working to get um, the DUNU project restarted, working with the Virgin Islands Housing Authority and their developers. And there's the review that needs to be done on costing and uh, some of the additional, the cost for the additional work that needs to be done and that's currently under review. So that is the intent to get that project running up and running again shortly. The housing community was supposed to be developed by the Virgin Islands Housing Authority and Penrose LLC, along with consultant Jackson Development Company. The project was set to cost $57.7 million, with Hunt Capital Partners providing just under $27 million in 9% federal low-income tax credit equity. Director Williams Octolin explained what caused the stop of construction. There were some environmental issues that had uh, increased the cost for the project and um, the last contractor, the relationship between the Virgin Isles Housing Authority and the, the contractor and a nonprofit organization that was established to manage the project. Um, they mutually walked away from that contract. There's additional costs that's associated that has to be vetted um, in order to address all of those environmental concerns. So, of course, there's cost reasonableness and there's uh, the housing authority and the collaboration had to go back out again for another bidder, another contractor. Um, so all of that, all of that is what's happening in the background in order to get the project restarted. We'll be sure to let you know when that project starts again. A former maintenance supervisor of the Virgin Islands Housing Authority has been sentenced to 10 years in prison for raping an underage girl in her home. That's according to VI Superior Court records. 
46-year-old Bernard James Jr. was sentenced to serve the maximum 10 years for second-degree rape. In August of 2022, James reportedly assaulted a 17-year-old girl in the Oswald Harris Court housing community after going to her home to complete a work order. The young lady who was home alone at the time FaceTimed her mother, who told James about a sink that needed repair. Afterwards, James sat next to the young lady on a couch and made advances as she tried to back away from him. He then forcibly raped her. When he was finished, the victim ran into a bedroom and locked herself inside until he left the apartment. She then told her mother, who brought her to the Snyder Regional Hospital for a sexual assault examination and evidence collection. According to the arrest warrant affidavit, James left St. Thomas on a one-way ticket on November 8th of 2022 and subsequently voluntarily surrendered to police on November 29th of 2022. He was then charged with first-degree and second-degree rape, aggravated second-degree rape, and first-degree unlawful sexual contact. According to court records, James posted property to secure his bill and had been on house arrest with electronic monitoring for the last year. James entered an agreement with prosecutors in November, under which he pleaded guilty to second-degree rape. Assistant Virgin Islands Attorney General Anna Scott asked the judge to sentence James to 10 years in prison, the maximum penalty for the crime. Former Virgin Islands Senator and former National Committee woman Liliana Bellardo de O'Neill hit several local airwaves as well as held a meeting this week in attempts to protest what she calls the slate being offered by Republican Party of the Virgin Islands Chairman Gordon Ackley. Now he's coming to us and telling us to vote for this selected slate, which is comprised of Ackley as the state chair. Newland, April Newland as the chairwoman, and John Yob as the committee man. Okay, and our meeting is where is the local people being represented with those three people? Miss O'Neill stated that there was no interest in finding members of the local community, and stated that the candidates on the ballot were all Caucasian. How can we go out on February eighth and vote for a slate? that doesn't represent the people from the islands, Virgin Islands. So I was a former Republican committee woman, as you know. They took over the party four years ago. Ackley and a group of them took over. I have stayed out from the limelight because I said, well, let me give them a chance to see what they're going to do for the Republican Party, how they're going to help grow the party, how they're going to get the people involved, nothing. We contacted Gordon Ackley, who rebuffed Ms. O'Neill's claims, stating that there was no slate. Executive Director of the Republican Party of the Virgin Islands, Dennis Lennox, stated Ms. O'Neill's actions were tantamount to voter suppression. Ms. O'Neill is not a Republican. She's not a member of the party. She's avowed her, her, disavowed her membership in the party. She was removed by the Republican National Committee unanimously in 2020. She holds no position or office within the party. Her unquestionably racist attacks have no place in the Republican Party and no place in political discourse. And the Republican Party in the Virgin Islands is not going to dignify them with a response except to say 
it, it amounts to voter suppression less than one week before the caucus. In a fact check, the Virgin Islands Elections Office does have Miss O'Neill registered as a Republican. State Committee member John Clendenin of St. Croix spoke with Comes With the Territory host Leslie Cummins-Young about Miss O'Neill's claims and stated that she simply did not follow the rules. There's a process. We have uh, laws. We follow the, uh, the, the rule of law is something that actually permeates with some of the other discussions that we had earlier in the show. So we have a process and rules in the, uh, in the Republican uh, uh, Party. And uh, it seems like people have jokes. But the point is, is that Liliana had the opportunity to fight within the rules. And the rules are, she's argued that uh, the courts seem to give outsiders a different role and the courts are against us, everybody's against us. The point is, there's an application process to become a delegate and you have to file that uh, that paperwork. The week before the caucus isn't the time to follow the rules. For the full conversation and more, tune in to Comes with the Territory on Sunday at 1 p.m. with a re-air at 7 p.m. on WTJX-TV Channel 12. Also, the Republican Party of the Virgin Islands will be holding a meeting for the Delegate Selection Committee on April 9th at 9 a.m. The purpose of the meeting is to elect six delegates and six alternate delegates from the territory for the 2024 Republican National Committee. The meeting will be held at Bluebeard's Castle on St. Thomas. There is no school for all public schools territory-wide on Monday, February 5th. The Department of Education will be hosting a professional development day and normal school hours will resume on Tuesday, February 6th. The Virgin Islands Police Department is currently searching for 48-year-old Arnold Malone. Malone is wanted for discharging shots at police officers during a traffic stop in the Altona area around 2.45 p.m. today. Malone is described as a black male, 5 feet 4 inches in height and approximately 175 pounds. Anyone that comes in contact or has seen Malone is urged to call 911, the Criminal Investigative Bureau at 340-642-8449, or Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS. Arnold is considered armed and dangerous. In a public hearing for the Coastal Zone Management Committee, the Virgin Islands Department of Education presented their federally funded document for the demolition and new construction of the St. Croix Central High School. The Department of Education's new school's architect, Chenille Callwood, assisted in presenting the model for the new high school, which is set to accommodate 1,200 students. The area where you will see the fields, that is where Central High School buildings are currently located. The area where we have a parking lot, a field, and the existing gymnasium. Uh, we're going to knock down the existing uh, gym, which was damaged and is closed. And that is where we're going to build the buildings for the new campus. After we do that, we will move the students into their new buildings. We will then demolish the old campus and construct the playing fields. Pamela Lofelman represented the architectural firm DLR Group for the overall architectural design. Central High School um, is really designed and programmed with the idea that it's, it, it will be an overall comprehensive high school, but it will also have um, specialty focuses uh, if on the art, both visual and um, I'm going to say performing, 
but when we say performing, um, mostly focused on dance and music. CZM board member Kai Nielsen had questions for Assistant Commissioner Victor Som about the proposed design. There were eight goals set by the 2040 vision for the direction of the USVI's economy. And I think that you are intimately knowing that it starts with education from the K to 12, and obviously with high school being a springboard into that. I think right now we're looking thematically at a campus that is misaligned with those goals, and I'm asking why, and if that's a missed opportunity that can be rectified, do you see that being something that maybe I'm misinterpreting? Commissioner So responded to those concerns. Um, just because the focus of this particular design and ultimately this new school um, is fine arts does not deny the fact that we still must comply with the Board of Education requirements for graduation. The board mandates that we offer core subjects in English, mathematics, science, and social studies. So a lot of the fine arts programs that uh, architect Cowood spoke about will be elective. From the designs proposed, Mr. Nielsen pointed out that spatially, the fine arts building dominates the campus with standalone buildings for music, visual arts, and dance. Why the need to emphasize these, have these be the biggest buildings when again, the trajectory of the, the territory is heading towards, like you say, right, maritime, a blue economy, as our government puts it, um, agribusiness, which was number one. I'm just very, I'm very much confused, I think, AAC Zone. I realize that this may be too far down the road, but surely if we're looking at the, the vision for the territory and this speaks nothing to that vision, there should be some concerns by us as that team um, slated to execute that vision. The Graduate Nurses Program, a partnership between the Governor Wong F. Louis Hospital and the University of the Virgin Islands School of Nursing, was reestablished in 2022 with support from the Benny and Martha Benjamin Foundation. Delary Lewis Thomas, the program's clinical nurse educator, says students are able to do rotations at the hospital while studying for the National Council licensure examination for registered nurses. The objective of the program is, one, to provide support in successfully passing the NCLEX, and two, to provide support in building on the clinical experience and the proficiency in specialty areas. She says the hospital recently onboarded nurses who successfully completed the program. Through the program, we've had 11 graduates between 2022-2023 that we have onboarded as registered nurses. Ms. Lewis-Thomas says it takes about a year or two to become proficient in becoming a registered nurse, particularly if nurses want to work in specialty areas like the operating room. You can work as a, as a graduate nurse up to one year. We do offer employment while we are assisting and supporting them with preparing for the NCLEX and as well as um, offering that exposure to various nursing units. She says the program not only benefits the nurses, but also much-needed staffing at the hospital. Having that collaborative uh, relationship with the university, it benefits because if we have a school of nursing on the island, you want to be able to have employment where we keep those nurses right here in the territory instead of going off island, especially in a, t uh, in a time that we know there's a national shortage. Also, it's more cost effective to hire directly than to um, 
utilize contract nurses. So it's an investment in the future of the organization. Leadership for the American Federation of Teachers, St. Thomas President Leontine Jones and St. Croix President Rosa Soto Thomas, along with National Representative George Bordenave, recently met with Governor Albert Bryan Jr., his Chief Advisor Kevin Williams Sr., and Policy Advisor Santa Joseph Smith at Government House. We spoke with Ms. Soto Thomas, who says she walked away from that meeting hopeful for the territory's educators. I felt overall that the meeting went well. Okay, the meeting was called because there are a lot of outstanding issues that the union has and concerns. And uh, the governor uh, was very open to our ideas and suggestions. And, you know, I, I'm not free to say everything I publicly, but I thought the meeting went well. It was very positive. It began on a good note and it ended on a good note. So that's a plus for the union and the governor, the St. Croix Federation of Teachers, the St. Thomas, St. John Federation of Teachers, sitting down face-to-face to resolve problems on behalf of our members. So I'm very positive that things are going to take effect. I know that the governor has always promised in his campaign that he wants to continuously give teachers a pay increase. And so far, he is committed to that. He has actually done that. So I, there's no reason why I would believe otherwise. So I'm hoping that we'll get to a success agreement as, as soon as possible. The Virgin Islands Department of Agriculture is hosting a meeting for all farmers who have business operations in Estate Bordeaux on St. Thomas. The meeting will be held from 3 to 5 p.m. on Sunday, February 4th at the Bordeaux Farmers Market and will provide updates on project initiatives to improve the Estate Bordeaux farmland area, as well as receive input from the farmers who will be impacted as a result of those initiatives. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority is taking applications for the Alva C. McFarland Scholarship Program. WAPA's Communication Director Chanel Peterson says the annual scholarship opportunity is open to graduating high school seniors and freshman and sophomore college students who are enrolled in an engineering program. Now for the college students, they must be enrolled in an engineering program. And for our high school students interested in applying, it's also for individuals who are planning to pursue a career or a degree in engineering. For our high school students, they can be awarded up to $60,000. And for our existing college students, that program is for upwards of $25,000. Applications are open through February 26th. And we are looking forward to um, reading those applications. And we're encouraging students to apply because it's a great opportunity as the scholarship will go towards room and board, tuition, books, fees, and supplies. She says applicants must be U.S. citizens and residents with no criminal record. We also review their academic achievements, scores on standardized college admission tests, their community involvement, and their performance in a panel interview. The applicants that are currently either at UVI or um, attending college in the states within an engineering program, that's the eligibility. They have to be enrolled in an engineering program. The application period is currently open. So to apply, they can visit WAPA's website at www viwapa.vi that's v-i-w-a-p-a dot v-i and if they have questions 
on the scholarship, um, they can contact Tracy Wells and Human Resources. And her email address is tracy.wells at viwapa.di. That's T-R-A-C-I-E dot W-E-L-L-S at V-I-W-A-P-A dot V-I. Construction of two private villas inside a national park in Barbuda has sparked the latest environmental legal fight between angry residents and wealthy foreigners who are seeking to develop the Caribbean island with support from the government. Local fisherman and tour guide George Jeffrey and UK-based nonprofit Global Legal Action Network filed a lawsuit against the government yesterday seeking to overturn the construction permit the island's Development Control Authority approved the high-end development, despite the National Environmental Department rejecting the proposal twice. The legal fight comes on the heel of another case in which Barbudan residents and Global Legal Action Network are opposing construction of hundreds of luxury residences, an 18-hole golf course, a beach club, and a natural gas storage facility on more than 600 acres of protected wetland in Barbuda. In reviewing the proposal, Antigua and Barbuda's Department of the Environment said it could not recommend approval for the development, nor any other development in this sensitive protected area. Returning now to our meteorologist for the territory's weather forecast. The remnants of an old frontal boundary coming into play here with some thicker clouds as we step into the weekend, but drier air will slowly filter into the area as we look forward to the next 24 hours. The last of that front will wash out, and we should enjoy a fair amount of sunshine both tomorrow and Sunday. Those evening showers will also dry up tonight, and we are expecting dry conditions both tomorrow and Sunday. There's a continued risk of rip currents, particularly north-facing beaches this weekend, thanks to a persistent northerly long-period swell. Our forecast details as we look ahead to the weekend, just a few leftover clouds overnight tonight. Any evening showers dry up, middle 70s. Winds become light north to northeasterly. Sunshine, partly sunny at times during the day tomorrow. Mid-80s Saturday afternoon. Partly cloudy Saturday night, mid-70s. Partly sunny on Sunday, middle 80s. I'm meteorologist Russ Murley for WTJX. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts. 